I'm here with Dr. Kwan. She has a fantastic, almost unbelievable story. The story is of her escape from Vietnam. She escaped from Vietnam with her father and mother. And uh, her father was a South Vietnamese soldier and he spent two years in prison uh, because he fought for the Americans and, and for Vietnam. And uh, they escaped on a boat. They were known as the boat people at the time. They came here with nothing, no money, no nothing. And all of a sudden, uh, she finds herself uh, in Fort uh, Key West, Florida. She runs into a, a very well-respected Vietnamese general who spent 17 years in prison. That was his penalty for fighting for the uh, Vietnamese people in the United States. So I'm going to turn it on to you over to you, Dr. Kwan, and I would note, I am talking to Dr. Kwan. She came here without a penny in her pocket, and now she is called, now she is Dr. Kwan. I mean, that's a great story. The Vietnamese are fantastic people, uh, very successful Im Im immigrants to our country. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kwan. Thank you for inviting me Inviting me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure and honor. Um, I wrote this uh, book uh, called Soldier On, My Father, His General in the Long Road from Vietnam, as a, as a message to share um, after I learned of their story. Um, they shared with me um, their journeys uh, through war and the aftermath. So it, the book is not purely a military book. Uh, it's meant to be a story about overcoming adversity and perseverance. And it, it's also meant to <clears throat> excuse me, give a little bit of the South Vietnamese perspective on the war, which I feel has been not so much um, given the, the full attention that it deserves. It's been somewhat underrepresented in the, the um, history of the Vietnam conflict. Um, so we don't hear much about things like what happened to the South Vietnamese soldiers after the war. Uh, you don't hear about the re-education or the so-called re-education camp and um, the how they rebuilt their lives as immigrants coming to this country. I mean, you hear now and then stories of that, but um, I wanted to share that in my family's experience as new immigrants. So it's it has several three themes here, but the main one, like the what the the title try to convey, is this soldier on this um, this philosophy of persevering. So, um, so I hope I was able to convey that um, in, in the story. Good, that's fantastic. Tell us about uh, your father. What did he say it was like being in these, these prison camps? Well, my dad, I mean, if, you, um, if, if anyone got the chance to meet him, he's such a sweet soul. He tried to make uh, the best of uh, every situation, even the horrific ones. And so um, when I interviewed him for the story, along with his uh, wartime commander, um, General uh, Tran Bai Yi, uh, about their experience um, post-war, um, they were both in prison. Um, my dad uh, was a soldier in General Yi's uh, division, the, Ninth the Arvin's 9th Infantry Division. So he, when the war ended, he was just a, um, a young first lieutenant. And General Yi, of course, um, ranked much higher. So their level of... Uh, imprisonment and severity 
um, because that's how the communists would um, determine the, the length of your uh, imprisonment, uh, the punishment and so forth. So my dad um, received three years uh, of imprisonment in uh, the jungles of South Vietnam. Uh, general Yi, uh, because he was a, um, a major general, um, he was 44 years old at the time when he was in prison. He spent 17 years in the North Vietnamese jungle because he was deemed as a threat by the communists. Ah, I see. Yeah, and so my dad's experience, and I tell that in the book, my dad's experience um, was horrific. I mean, starvation, torture, mind games, and you amplify that much more with General Yi because they wanted to break uh, the hardest where they felt they, they couldn't reform. Um, so they kept these men alive at General Yi in order to use them as bargaining chips because they knew it's, there was some level of attention from the international community um, to keep these men alive, but you know, if they were to survive. But at the same time, they, they tortured them at every opportunity. So my dad said there was, uh, there was hard physical labor um, of you know, digging, um, digging wells and building roads uh, for the, the communist people um, that was running the country um, without any food. Like at the end of the day, for a grueling hard day of labor, they would receive one bowl of rice. Now, these, these are grown men. You can't live on one bowl of simple rice. And so a lot of people died of starvation. Their body's immune system weakened because of starvation. So they, they developed um, infections from dysentery to malaria. And oftentimes when they died in these prison camps, their families weren't even given the dignity to be notified. Um, there was no medical care. So if, uh, if you caught an infection um, or an injury, and it was very dangerous work, you, you were at the, their mercy. And, uh, and so he saw a lot of that. Um, and uh, the prisoners weren't allowed to know how long they were in prison. And uh, in addition to that, you know, just a lot of um, uh, brainwashing and mental torture and, uh, and humiliation, because that was the goal of the, uh, the communist North when they took over Vietnam was not to have mercy uh, against the South who, you know, it was a bitter 20 year war. And so there was a lot of hatred and resentment. They wanted to punish the South. So if you can imagine, that's what my dad went through for three years. And then what General Yi went through for 17 years. So here was a man who was at the height of his, you know, of his career or his status in life at 44. And when the war ended in 1975, everything was taken away from him. He was separated from his family, he had five children, you know, his wife. Um, and he, he, they didn't know if he was alive or not when he was in prison. Uh, so there was no contact. He was, um, when I talked to him, you know, he, you know, he told me all the, the torture that he went through. Same as my dad with the starvation, the hard labor and seeing his friends die in prison. And the only thing I asked him, so what kept you alive during that time? During that time? And he said it was his faith in God in the hope that he would be reunited with his family. And that really impressed me because he came out of it just from talking with him, not bitter or resentful of everything that was taken to him. Like I said, you know, he was at the prime of his life when he was in prison. He was released when um, 17 years later, um, of course there would have been some, a lot of depression and resentment, a lot of trauma that he went through, but he had such, an optimistic view on everything that I felt like 
what he went through and what he survived, um, he didn't allow that to break him. And so that was what made me curious. And so I, I delved into more of that during this whole tri road trip. So just backtracking how I came about to the story. Um, my dad was a soldier in General Yee's division. And so how would a, a soldier know a general? You know, there is a, a huge gap between, you know, their, their, their position. But my dad told me that General Yi at that time was such a humble man, even though he was a two-star general at that time. He was so different from other senior officers that my dad dealt with. He cared about his troops. He, he made frequent troop visits to my dad's regiment. And he would personally ask any troop that he ran into, what, he, what could he do to help them? And my dad was one of the soldiers that he had a handful of encounters. And so my dad didn't have too many experiences with him, but from the few handful of encounters that he had, he couldn't forget this man because of how genuine he was. And all the soldiers felt that way because he developed that reputation. And so fast forward to 2014, when my dad learned that General Yi was uh, released um, from the communist prison and that he had resettled with his family in, uh, in Orlando based on a, a magazine article that my dad read, my dad got in contact with General Yi through this magazine and asked if he could visit him. Um, and he asked me to plan this trip to come visit this general that he had so much admiration for. And that's how I came to know General Yi and learn about his story too. And um, on this trip from Texas, because we're from Texas to Florida, um, uh, my dad asked the general to join our family on a road trip uh, in, in Orlando. Which is, which is where the general's from. And from Orlando, we took a road trip to Key West. And it was a three-day trip. And on this trip, that's where I learned both of their stories. So it's like the, my book is based on what I learned on the road trip. Um, so um, that's how the origin of my book anyway came about. That's astounding. <clears throat> you know, uh, Vietnam today, I did some work there with landmine removal in the Quang Tri province. So I, I took groups of Vietnam veterans there. And it's quite interesting, the, uh, the government of Vietnam is, is very much encouraging private capital. Uh, there are, are major corporations that do a lot of business there, in, including uh, North Face and others that make ski jackets. I mean, they have quality labor and, and a lot of ports. And, uh, you know, there's some prosperity there. And uh, you almost kind of think you, some of these old guys who were fighting, they almost kind of need to die off, kind of like the Confederate Army <laughs> after the American Civil War. Uh, some of these people just kind of took it to the grave. But uh, they're genuinely uh, nice people. And we now we have more immigrants coming to our country from Afghanistan. And I know that there are many Vietnam veteran, military veterans period who are trying to help these people. What kind of advice would you give if you were to sit down with some uh, recent immigrants from Afghanistan who came here penniless? What would you tell them? I think um, the immigrant story, we, we all share this initial period of um, struggle of um, getting accustomed to the new culture, the language, and not starting and starting out, you know, as the underdog, um, and not having the opportunities. But um, 
the message is not giving up is um, despite your circumstances. Um, it's just, just like what I try to convey in the book. Um, it doesn't have to be through the, you know, as traumatic as going through war or a concentration camp. Um, you know, it can be any kind of um, challenges that you have in life. So initially, there, immigrants will have challenge with language, just like my family and I did. I came to this country when I was five. Ah. Um, and I, um, I, I, I didn't speak a word of English. And so for immigrant children, and, and I hope my book um, gets into the hand of children especially um, that are coming to this country as, as an Afghanistan uh, child or any immigrant to say that, you know, you come to this country, you're not going to learn to speak English, your family will not have the opportunities to give you what your classmates may have. Because I remember my parents um, who had a nice life in Vietnam coming to this country, taking on the most, you know, menial jobs in order to put food on the table. You know, um, my, both of my parents had education in Vietnam and they came from well-to-do families. But when they came here, my dad and mom worked in factories on assembly lines. Um, they worked as janitors. My dad did yard work for other people to earn a living. Sure. Um, my, clo- you know, the clothes my brother and I had when we came over here were all church donated. We never had any clothes. And so these, these I would say to these children, you're going to have hardship initially, but that's not going to define who you are. It doesn't define your worth. It doesn't define your future. As long as you don't give up and have the attitude of persevering and that everything is temporary, even your station in life, and you can build your way up. Uh, and you, you mentioned when you opened this up that I became a doctor. It wasn't easy. I came to this country. I didn't speak a word of English. I flunked kindergarten. Um, from all through grade school until the fifth grade, I read and read, you know, I read, um, did math, everything below grade level because of my lack of English skills, um, because of the disadvantages that my family had. My parents didn't have the resources to help and we were moving constantly because my parents were looking for work. But I was fortunate enough at that time to, knew, to know the things I just mentioned, that my circumstances didn't define my self-worth. And I hope children of any circumstances that have challenges would also get inspired by that too and understand that message. Your circumstances doesn't define your self-worth. Yes. Yeah, it's not easy. <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine being in a situation in which uh, I arrived in a country, could not even speak the language without a nickel in my pocket. Uh, but uh, America is a dream place for many people. Many people become very successful, but they have to work extra hard. And I think what you've done is is tell us how hard you had to work, even uh, watching your dad be a janitor and in, in the very bottom of the line sort of jobs. And and uh, it's not easy. America is a, 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 great, a great country, but in order to make it here, you've really got to have your Correct together. Well, tell us about your sister, her struggles, and then we will let you move on for your important day and uh, healing the, the wounds of others. And who do, who do you work for, by the way? I work at a, a state um, facility, a state center in Texas um, that supports people with developmental disability. And um, that's been a dream job of mine, even before I knew this place existed, because of the inspiration that I have from my youngest sister who was born with developmental disability. She was born in this country. So if you can imagine, again, this theme of, of 
uh, overcoming adversity when my parents came over here without any money um, with me and my brother with two young children. They had two additional children when they came in the early years. Um, and the youngest um, was born with developmental disability. Mm. They call it mental retardation back then. Um, but she has been a blessing in our lives. Uh, she has given um, all of us uh, a purpose and, and just changed the way we, we see life, especially for me anyway. And so she's been the inspiration of um, the work that I do uh, at my current job, um, which I'm the medical director of um, the, the place where I work at. Um, where we support adults with developmental disability. My sister lives at home with me, um, but um, you know it's it's an honor every day for me to go to work to do this type of work. Yes. Well, God has a special plan for you, and you do a lot of good things, and I think a lot of good things have happened to you and will happen to you in the future. And if you can inspire other people to to work hard and and try to follow your example. You have made a real contribution, and uh, th thank you so much. And uh, God bless America. And I'm so glad we have you as one of our citizens in this country. Thank you very much. Thank you.